NFL Championship Week, the system quarterback put his team on his back, and the next coming looked like a deer in the headlights. Hello, everybody. This is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board. What's up, Big Ed? How you What's doing? What's up, Gilmo? How you doing, man? <laughs> Dude, it was an exciting football week, wasn't it? Oh man, it was too close for comfort for me, man. I mean, both of my both of those those are both of my teams, the the Niners and the Chiefs. And I I gotta tell you, man, the Chiefs showed up. I was like very impressed by how well they played against the Ravens. And the Niners, of Whoa. course, they gave me blood pressure. They gave everybody blood pressure issues this this weekend because they just seem to be asleep at the wheel sometimes, and then they wake up. So anyway. But yeah, it was great. How about you? Whoa, whoa, hold on. Uh, do, we're going to talk about the game, uh, uh, but, but I'm doing well. But uh, real quick, what did you think of Chase Young? Uh, you know, he he didn't, I mean, he didn't do as much as I think everybody hoped that he would. He's, you know, he hasn't really shown up yet, honestly. I mean, he's had glimpses, but hasn't really shown up. Dude, there's a lot of video on him going around the internet right now. He was as about a big a bum as you can get. I mean, he was just like a cheerleader. No tactic, no nothing, playing half-ass. You know, because I just assume Chase Young, Ohio State, number two overall pick. Coming from Washington, got to be pretty good. Right. <laughs> Somebody tweeted, a Chicago Bears fan, boy, I'm glad we got Montez Sweat and not Young. That's how bad he yeah. was. That's how, he looked lazy yeah. out there, like he didn't want to play, you know? So uh, it's a big hoopla. But anyway, we got a great show, everybody. Uh, this is I'm William Del Pilar with, with my good friend Eddie Aparicio here, and we got some NBA basketball. We're going to talk to All Stars. We're going to talk a little bit about the Clippers. We're going to talk a little bit about the the Golden State Warriors and how they're doing since the death of Dejan Milojevic, and some NFL football, some head coaching hires, uh, as well as the playoffs. So a uh, lots of heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. So let's get right on down to it my friend eddie first of all oh i'm sorry we're just going to talk about the nfl trade deadline and whatever rumors our big eddie is hearing but let's get right down to it eddie the all-star selections have been made uh or i believe they've been made correct yeah so the starting lineups have been already made they were they were announced last week um so in the east you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, joel Embiid, jason tatum Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard. So uh, that's the Eastern Conference uh, starters. On the west, on the west side, you have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Those are the starting five. Now this Thursday is when they're going to announce the reserves, and there's seven reserves in each conference. So all fourteen teams, uh, all fourteen names are going to be uh, called out this Thursday on TNT. Uh, starting, I think it's at four thirty or five, right around that time frame. But yeah, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna happen. So, so Eddie, any surprises with the starting uh, uh, players on either either team? No real surprises on the East. I would say the biggest surprise is in the West because you know Stephen Curry has been essentially an All Star for I think ten or eleven years in a row. I don't know yeah. exactly that, but it's 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 like that, right? And, you know, a lot of these guys like LeBron James, I mean, they're kind of grandfathered in because they're very popular, good players still, right? Um, so uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, is, you know, he's the one who got the nod. And, you know, the, the, the fan vote was higher for him. You know, Steph Curry is, is you know, a legend, right? He's, he's top 10 best all-time, arguably, that we have seen in the NBA. Uh, but the team has been struggling. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, you, you know Stephen Curry – you know, wasn't being shown on, you know, ESPN or any of the sports outlets as much because the Warriors have been struggling. So, um, you know, Shea, Shea Gildas-Alexander, I think, deserves definitely recognition. But I think you know, I think Stephen Curry, you know, has uh, proven that he should be one of these grandfather guys, just like uh, LeBron James. He should have, I think he should have been there. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh any expectations on the reserves or is uh, what are your thoughts on the reserves? What, you think it's going to be slam dunk in the sense of the known name, the known names or any surprises you're expecting? There's going to, I mean, the, the West is the one I think that's going to be really, really hard um, to figure out, you know, the project, you know, the, which, the, which seven reserves are going to make it. So I'll tell you my, my, my thoughts. I, I'll tell you who I think the seven are going to be. 
I, I think for sure it's going to be Stephen Curry. He's definitely one of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would yeah. say, I would say uh, Anthony Davis uh, for the Lakers. I think because he's having a really really good year. Um, I'll say Kawhi Leonard because again the Clippers are doing really really good this year. Carl uh, Anthony Towns for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I would say he definitely needs to be there just because the Timberwolves are the number one team in the West, so they need some representation, right? Uh, they also right. have Anthony Edwards, also of the aforementioned Minnesota Timberwolves. I think he deserves to be on there. Uh, Devin Booker would be one that I think will probably get the nod uh, for the Phoenix Suns. And the last one, I think, is going to be Victor Webinyama. That guy's got a he's, he's he's had a great he's having a great rookie year, and I think fans love this guy. And, and just the fact that he's doing so well, you know, and and just he's one of these like freak of nature type of athletes. He's so tall, so nimble. He could shoot. I think he's going to get in there. So that's, I think those are the seven they're going to make. So, but you know, you have other guys that I haven't named that could be snubbed. You have like James Harden, who's came, you know, came from the, you know, to the Clippers. He's had a really, really good season with the Clippers and the Clippers are in the top three in the, in the West. Uh, De'Aaron Fox for the Sacramento Kings. You know, he's a guy that, you know, showed last year that he's a, a superstar in the, in the rising. And, you know, the Sacramento Kings are a playoff team. Another uh, person from the Sacramento Kings uh, is the Demontis Sabonis. I think he's deserving to be one of the reserves. So I, these are guys that I think are going to get snubbed. These are guys that I'm, I'm calling out that probably going to get snubbed. The other ones that I called are the ones that I think are going to make it. But the guys that I'm calling out right now, I think are the ones that are going to get snubbed. Uh, Paul George is another one I think could get a, a, a snub. And then the other one would be Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren is the other seven foot two three guy, just like Victor Wembanyama. Uh, same skill set. You know, they're OKC is one of the top teams in the in the West. Um, and they have Shea Gilgis Alexander already in the starting five. You know, Chet Holmgren is probably deserving to be there, but he's, I think he's going to get snubbed. snubbed. Um, the yeah. last guy I'll tell you is the Houston Rockets, uh, Alperin Senjun. Uh, he's a guy from Turkey, a center, a rookie guy. He's uh, actually second year. He's actually had a really, really good season. So um, so those are the guys I think are going to get snubbed. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, who's going to get called out. Um, in the East, the guys that I think are going to make it, um, I think – the, the projected reserves, in my opinion, are going to be Jalen Brown of the uh, Boston Celtics. I think he's going to get uh, going to be one of the ones. Uh, Paulo Banquero of the Orlando Magic. I think mm-hmm. he's going to make it. Julius Randle for the you know, New York Knicks. I think he's going to make it. Jalen Brunson is another one I think is going to make it from the Knicks. Uh, Tyrese Maxey of the uh, 76ers. I think he's going to make it. Uh, Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, is also going to make it. Now, the one that's kind of questionable, and this is only because I think he's a really good player, he may not get it, but I'm just, this is my call. I'm going to say Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. I think he's had a really, really good season. Uh, even though the Raptors are not necessarily a playoff team right now, but they're playing a lot better than everybody thought, especially after they sold, you know, they, they, they traded uh, Pascal Siakam as well as OG Ananobi. Uh, and, you know, they're doing uh, pretty good considering those, those big moves. And then the, the guys that I think are going to get snubbed in the East. Uh, the, the guys I just mentioned, I think the, the ones that I project are going to get selected. But the guys I think are going to get snubbed, Jimmy Butler, uh, I think for the uh, Miami Heat, I think he may not make it. I don't think he played enough to to warrant to be one of the reserves. Kristaps uh, Porzingis of the uh, Boston Celtics, I think he might get snubbed. There's a possibility he might get it over Scotty Barnes. But this again, this is my call. I think Kristaps Porzingis is going to get snubbed. Uh, Bam Adebayo uh, for the Miami Heat, I think he's going to get snubbed. Uh, Derek White for the uh, Boston Celtics. I think he's another one that's going to get snubbed. And then I would say probably the last one would be Tyler Hero of uh, the Miami Heat. I think he's going to get snubbed as well. So those those are my, that's my call for this coming Thursday. The, the names are going to be called and the, the ones that are get snubbed. You know, it's it's the thing with the NBA All Stars. It's actually a I mean, there's there's more great players than there are slots. So a lot of deserving. Uh, players get snubbed more so than than others than other sports, I think. But yeah, okay. Uh, real quick before we go on to the Clippers and how well they're doing, uh, I saw an article. I didn't read it. I didn't have time. Saying the NBA needs to do this to stop these high scores. And I'm talking about obviously Joel Embiid with the 70 points. 70 but points. it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere for me to see. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Always uh, miss Luca Don. Uh, Doncic. Uh, Doncic, he, he came in 70 points and uh, 73. Uh, yeah, well, 73. Yeah. And what was funny was Victor, when Bayama was guarding Joel Embiid, right? And mm-hmm. then he did a shot block the next night against uh, uh, Chet Holmgren or dunked on him or something. And somebody says, yeah, that makes up for his 70 point. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, no way. It doesn't. You no know, way. but. 
but but what's creating the opportunities for for I mean this is literally back to back seventy points. I look, we are older, gentlemen. We're not young twenty year olds. And when's the last time we saw something like this happen in NBA history? Like literally back to back nights of seventy point games. I don't think this ever happened. I mean, in the same night, you had Joel Embiid who scored seventy points, and then you had Carl Anthony Towns who scored sixty points. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened in the NBA ever in the same night. And then let alone a week apart, you have like five or six players that are 60 plus or more, you know, in the last week. And it's crazy. The scoring right now is crazy. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Eddie, you got a job. You got to find out. Are these guys on drugs? The good stuff? Are the refs giving them the call or, you know, but I mean, that that's actually great for the sport. I mean, uh, uh, you know, to see it, I mean, offense, is I think that's why soccer never takes off here. You know, it, it's like this boom, 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 boom. And an hour later, it's one nothing. You know, Americans don't like that. But yeah, it, it's, it's exciting for basketball. All right. So James Harden, so far, the trade looks phenomenal. He's playing lights out. Uh, if he, you know, I'm not a James Harden fan. I, I'll say that. But right. when I saw, because I knew he was snubbed, obviously I looked him up for the All-Star selection. And I'm like, He's having a great year compared to the last few years, you know, and he gets snubbed this year. But what's your reason for the Clippers and how well they're doing and can it continue? And give me your prediction. I won't hold you to it. But as of today, where do you see the Clippers ending up at based on how they're playing right now? But we'll save that part for last. Why are they doing so well right now? Well, I'll tell you this. So the trade for James Harden happened in October, October 31st. Actually, it was Halloween night when that uh, trade was announced. And then the very next game, uh, the Clippers lost. Then the next five games after that, so they lost six games in a row with James oh, Harden. that's right. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they lost six games in a row. And then Teron Lue made this adjustment where, you know, he had Russell Westbrook come off the bench and not start with James Harden. He brought him off the bench. And that adjustment seems to have made the team work. And since then... Yeah. You know, the, the, the Clippers have gone 27 and 7 since that adjustment. 20 games above 500. It's ridiculous. Wow. Um, they are the second team in the West, only one game behind uh, both the, uh, the the Minnesota Timberwolves as, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So they're, th- they're essentially second right now because those two teams are tied. Um, and, and looking from a, from a defensive and offensive rating standpoint, I was kind of looking at some of the, the analytics of why the Clippers mm-hmm. are doing so well. You know, if you look at their their offensive uh, skill set, I mean, they have three, you know, probably Hall of Fame players right there in James Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. They're, 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 the big, they're the big three, just like the Warriors have the big three. These guys are all, you know, really, really talented players. Um, but if you look at their offensive rating, they're the fourth rated uh, offense in the entire uh, NBA. So uh, the, 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 they're, they're behind the Celtics. Excuse me, they're behind this. The Pacers first, Celtics second, and then the uh, Milwaukee Bucks third as far as offensive rating. And right, then from the defensive though, side. Eddie, though, uh, you're getting into the stats and the data and the overall, but what's making them play better? Why did that lineup change work for them? What chemistry did that add or take away that has put them on this win streak? They have a, a, a better th- scoring threat at point guard because Russell Westbrook, as good as he is or was, he isn't what the Clippers need at point guard. He is a hustle kind of drive kick type of a player. Really can't shoot very well. Um, and then James <laughs> Harden is, he's different. Uh, James Harden can shoot and he's a threat offensively and he's a bigger, bigger guy, right? He's hard. He's a harder defend, a harder a, a, a player to defend for opposing teams. So I, I would say that, the, what the style of play has changed a little bit where they weren't necessarily a drive and kick kind of uh, a team right. anymore. Like you know, with, with Russell Westbrook, they became more of a uh, drive and kick, but also can shoot from outside. So they're harder to defend because, you know, James Harden with the ball in his hand, he's, he's, he's a nightmare for most teams just because he can drive and he can also shoot. Russell Westbrook can only really drive. So I think so- that's what opened up the <laughs> offense, you know, Is it what- uh, and then, you know, uh, James Harden, um, you know, he's not really a defensive guy, but I think, you right. know, you, you can scheme. You can scheme for him, and he's shown that he can play in that in that system. They're doing very, very well. So getting back to the, the analytics, they are the 11th best defense in the NBA. 
the top three defensive uh, teams right now are, are, are Minnesota Timberwolves, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the in the Boston Celtics. So okay. they're not in the top three, but from a net rating standpoint, you know that's essentially you know the the, the offensive rating minus the defensive rating right, they're the right, top right. four. You know, essentially behind the Celtics, Thunder, and Sixers. So. You know they're playing just they're just playing phenomenally, honestly. And, and on Saturday they, they just beat the Boston Celtics by 19 points when they were on the road. You know Boston was at home at home, and Boston right now is considered the best team in the NBA. You know both from an offensive defensive rating standpoint, they're number one in both categories. So the fact that they did that, I mean, it's any given night in the NBA, but that's impressive for you know a Clippers team to come into Boston and beat that team by 19 points. So, right. um, you know, the other thing is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're playing more, you know, whereas last year they kept bench, you know, they always get rest, 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 here and there, rest. Now the NBA's kind of, you know, clamped down on that a little bit, and now you're seeing these guys play more. So, you know, this this team's legit. I think they're going to be competing for a championship. They're right now, I think, the fourth uh, odds-on favorite to win the championship, um, you know, essentially – Behind uh, the, uh, the the Boston Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, and the Milwaukee Bucks are the top three as far as the betting man. You know, those that's who Vegas thinks are going to win. And then number four is, is the Clippers. So gotcha. um, this team is good. And, and of course, here I am talking about them tonight and, and on this run that they're and then and then they lose tonight. They lost on the road against Cleveland Cavaliers. They lost by ten points to Cleveland tonight. Um, but you know, hey, they've won uh, twenty seven games. You know, out of thirty-four uh, since right. then, and now it's you know twenty-seven out of thirty-five. So it's still a very, very good record. So the Clippers Eddie, are legit. So uh, 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 I, I don't want to move on yet. We need to move on, but I need to know this is this is possible because of a head coach that had the cojones to go. We're doing this change, uh, yes. uh, and it's going to be for the better. So tell me real quick about the head coach uh, because there's a lot of head coaches that that. In the, for example, the Lakers have not been run by the Lakers for the last three to four years. They've been run by LeBron. You know, so what makes this coach, uh, 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 what gave him the cojones to do this, his job or his nature, his character? Tell us a little bit about him for a few seconds. I mean, Teron, Teron Liu is a, is a championship level coach. He's won a championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's coached LeBron James, right, into a championship, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then he also was a former player, so he gets a lot of uh, credibility gotcha. that from that point, standpoint. So, Respect. and you know, he's got, he's, he's got, he's got the, uh, he's got the, uh, you know, the owner's, uh, you know, he's got the owner's ear. The owner, uh, Steve Ballmer, Steve you, know, Ballmer. Uh, you know, thinks yeah, thinks very highly of a uh, uh, Teron Lou, and you know, he's endorsed him to be the guy, and and for good reason. The guy's a good coach. He's a good X's nose coach. He's won it before, and he's been a player. So, right there, that's that's the reason. And finally, Russell Westbrook. We're talking about Westbrook, aren't we? Isn't that the name Westbrook. he hates? Yeah, Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> to, to two people out there, Eddie's not online. He's not on social media. But Eddie, that's all they—that's all they called him last year. I guess when he was with the Lakers or two years ago, and yep. it was driving him crazy. People were just typing Westbrook, Westbrook, Westbrook. Yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, I, I just—that's why I was chuckling earlier because the light bulb. Like, oh yeah, Westbrook. <laughs> you know, when you said he's not an offensive threat, I'm like Eddie just made an enemy. All right. Okay. So let's move on. Let's talk to Golden State Warriors since the death of uh, Dayan Milojevic. And uh, you wanted to, to talk a little bit about that in terms of how the team's doing. Yeah, you know, so, you know, prior to, you know, again, it's an unfortunate, uh, tragic situation what happened. You know, the, the, the Warriors took a couple games off. They actually took nine days. They were It was nine days in between wow. the game that they last played and then the game they played since his death. So uh, they came back, uh, played against Atlanta. Um, um, uh, that, I think it was like last week. And, uh, you know, they, they came out very inspired. They, they played very hard. I mean, it was, I don't know if you saw the ceremony um, that they did when, you know, for this guy, Dayan Milojevic, but they had his family in, in the stands, his two kids and his wife. Uh, they did this tribute video for him. And they kind of like did the kind of like a, a, almost like a funeral procession where every player had a jersey that, you know, it was their number, but the last name of Milojevic was all on every jersey. And then, you know, yeah. every player took that off. And they put it on a chair and this chair that's, you know, is going to be reserved for him with that, you know, it has his name on there. It has a brate. Brate means brother um, in Serbian. And they they have that word there because that's what he used to say. Hey, brate, brate, right? So everybody wore these brate shirts and there's a, sh a chair that has brate and it had like a white rose on there. And every player brought their, uh, you know, jerseys and, and put it on there. So it was a pretty moving 
uh, uh, ceremony that they did. It was, uh, it was, it was tough to watch for a lot of people. It was just, it was very moving. So, um, so anyway, so, you know, having that heavy heart kind of ceremony and then have to play a game, it was incredible how the Warriors pulled it off. And, you know, Steve Kerr just said, you know, just get lost in the game. You know, this is what he would want you to do. So get lost in the game. And they, they showed up and they played well. Right. So since then, like I said, you know, the Warriors have been kind of dealing with, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, turmoil, you know, he had the, 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 suspension, the suspension by, you know, Draymond Green, he was suspended for, you know, quite some time, missed a lot of time. I think he's missed more time than played games this year, honestly. Um, but when he's out on the court, he's actually having a really good season. I mean, when he's playing, he's playing arguably his best basketball. I mean, you could say it's pretty close to the very best that he's played right now. He's playing very, very well. Uh, but then you had, you know, Andrew Wiggins, who's been kind of disappearing on and off. But oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been playing. He's been playing very good in the last three games. Like this is the old Andrew Wiggins back. And then you have, of course, Curry, who's just lights out. And all the rookies have been playing. But the biggest emergence, in my opinion, has been Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga has emerged as a budding star uh, in the league. I mean, the guy's athletic, you know, freakishly athletic. He's 21 years old. Just, he's just got a big, strong body, and he's able to, you know, take people to the rack, you know, and he can shoot decently. He's not like a great shooter, but this is what's happened is that the, the Warriors seem to have woken up. You know, they, they they won against Atlanta, but then they lost back-to-back heartbreakers, you know, by one point to the Sacramento Kings. Then on Saturday night, they lost by one point to the to the Lakers, probably considered the best game in, 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 the, in the season was on Saturday night against the Lakers and the, and the Warriors. That was a ridiculous game. You had to watch it. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it was like unbelievable. You have LeBron James having a, a, a 40, 40 point uh, or no 30 something point triple double at age 39, right? It's incredible. And then Steph Curry scored, uh, scored 46 points. So it was just like a show, but this team is playing with a lot more energy. Steve Curry's, you know, after uh, in a press conference after the game, pretty much said that, you know, I, I believe in this team. I think that if we play like this, we're going to turn the season around. I, I trust this team. It almost kind of kind of gave the message that they don't want to make a trade. Like he wants to keep this group together because they just haven't played enough together, right? They have to get, you know, uh, gelling. They have to gel together, play more. Um, but the trade deadline's coming up here, in, you know, in about 10 days now, right? And mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, the, we're going to see tomorrow when they play – the uh, 76ers, a big, strong team with Joel Embiid, if they are able to compete and maybe even win, I don't think they're going to make any trades because I think right. that they're right. starting to, to get some rhythm and, and, and playing well together. So anyway, that's why I wanted to point out about the Warriors. You know, the Warriors are still, you know, a, a topic, a hot topic because they're, you know, they're, 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 they've won, the, you know, four championships in the last uh, six years. So, right. or actually not six years, the last uh, 10 years. So, you know, they, they, they're they're still relevant and you know they're 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 very popular team so that's what we're thinking about so as long as they have steph curry and draymond green they'll always be relevant steph curry in the good way draymond green in the news way but uh you know yeah uh, as far as dayon it's kind of sad and you know with with all the vaccine talk and all this he had a heart attack he was vaxxed i'm glad to see people are recognizing him as an individual and not as part of uh, this conspiracy theory. Because at the end of the day, because uh, uh, I'm a believer in the fact that the vaccine is killing people. But yeah. at, at the Absolutely. end of the day, these men and women who are passing, for whatever reason, because we'll, we'll never find out the truth, they have families. They have loved ones. And, and we can never forget that uh, because it's uh, I, like I, I, a friend of mine just passed away. My podcast co-host for my political yeah. show. So it's you just never thing, know. Yeah when uh, uh, your time is going to come. So for all the conspiracy theorists, I get it. I, I become part of it. But just remember, these people have families. So don't don't besmirch their names. So good for him and good for the warriors that that, that, that they're using this in a positive way. And some people are going to go, it's only a game. It's not the fact that it's a game. It's how somebody can inspire others in, in, right. in their own way. You know, so so good for him. All right, let's and, and let's segue to that real quick. Let's take a couple minutes. What's the latest you're hearing on the trade rumor for Eddie? You know, uh, nothing's really changed on that front. You know, uh, since the last time we spoke, um, it's been kind of somewhat quiet. Um, honestly, um, I think there's there's a lot of calls are being made. A lot of you know people are speculating. You know that you know certain guys are are going to be moving to certain teams, but right now. You know, it's it's been kind of quieter than I anticipated. So I don't. I would say that 
you know, the, the, the you know, it started out with a bang with, you know, uh, Pascal Siakam, OG, OG Ananobi uh, getting traded. Then you had Terry Rozier, you know, that was one of the names that I pointed out, you know, uh, in our last podcast that I think would be traded. And he did, he went to the Miami Heat. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to see, I think more and more here probably evolve in the next week, uh, you know, right before the trade deadline at the trade, like I said, it's about 10 days away from now. So I would say we're probably gonna have a lot more rumors to talk about uh, probably in the next podcast next week. So it's pretty, been pretty quiet other than those big, th- those three moves. So I, I don't want to speculate more other than what we've already talked about. Some of those names from last time, uh, there's going to be some trades. I would say probably maybe about six or seven more in my opinion, are going to happen in the next week. There's already been three. I think my call is about 10. Um, so I think that's wow. what's going to happen in the next week. You're going to see it happen in about, I so think we'll, seven so more we'll, moves are going to happen next week. So what we're going to have to do is uh, dedicate a full show to breaking the teams down and doing a reset after all these trades. How do you, sure. you know, after the reset and all the trades, where does Eddie Aparicio see the, the top teams in the playoffs? All right. And, and that closes out our basketball segment. I like that. Efficient, insightful, and touching. <laughs> Two Latino machismo men. We can be very touching and compassionate. <laughs> Let's get on yeah. to, to another topic. Uh, America's game america's pastime and no i'm not talking about that pathetically slow moving game called baseball i'm talking about football it was championship week eddie before we get the championship week i want to take five minutes to talk about the coaching changes uh, i'm going to run down the one we're not going to talk about the raiders because they hired antonio pierce a, a, a couple weeks ago the titans hired the bengals offensive coordinator brian callahan the son of bill callahan former nfl coach a, one of the best offensive line coaches in the in our generation in our lifetime the one thing i will say about brian callahan he didn't call the plays in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor did. So he got the job without actually doing the job. I'm not a big fan of players like that, but he's got pedigree and he's got the resume. Uh, the New England Patriots, as we talked about, Gerard Mayo, 37 years old, became the youngest coach. Now, let's talk about the new hires. Uh, Raheem Morris. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Eddie, last week. I say this poor guy, he's become the uh, the minority, uh, uh, the black guy who all the teams want to interview to fulfill the Rooney rule. And I'm yeah. not a fan of his only because of his record. With the Buccaneers, he was 17 to 31, 354 winning percentage. This was my era. So I read a story where the writer, very progressive, very leftist, just flat out lied. Said the Bucs set him up to fail. He did this, he did that. Well, it's just nothing but pure lies. Uh, uh, then he was uh, with the Falcons as the interim coach after Dan Quinn got fired, 4 and 7, 364 winning percentage. So he would not have been at the top of my list. However, we're on the outside looking in. So everything we hear about him is he's a great interview, well-beloved individual. And I do believe in redemption and I do believe in second chances. So even though I say he probably wasn't uh, uh, on the top of my list, I'm like, well, let him prove himself. Just like Belichick did, just like other coaches. And he's young. And if he's so well-liked, he's going to have an opportunity. My only concern, Eddie, is Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank is seen as one of the nicer owners, one of the more compassionate owners with his players, with the community. Everybody loves him. But it doesn't matter. A meddling owner is still a meddling owner, and he tends to meddle. And when owners meddle, you get what you get with the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, right. the reason I bring that up is uh, 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 Raheem Morris and uh, uh, the general manager, they're going to answer to uh, Arthur Blank, not the CEO, Rich McKay. And to me, when the owner starts to meddle in that way, that's not good for the coach. Now, the person who disagrees with me is the person who's best friends with the owner. So I just went through this in a big uh, podcast on RG3 and and how he was lying about uh, 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 Jay Snyder or Jay Gruden. Uh, and Jay Gruden killed him with one tweet. He's like, Kirk Cousins was better. The 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 Browns didn't watch you. Neither did the Ravens. And that kind of ended it because it was what you call another truth. But my point is, is RG3 aligned himself with Dan Snyder and got Shanahan fired. So that's the problem with meddling owners. They have too much power and 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 the 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 pawns on the chessboard tend to play it. So I worry about Raheem Morris for that. But outside of that, I can't argue with the hire. I don't care how good Raheem Morris is. If they don't get a quarterback there, the Falcons are going to suck. Any thoughts on Raheem Morris? No, you covered him, man. All right. And what do you think of Bill Belichick? That was his job, they say. Now, Bill Belichick, they say the reason he lost 
out on it is because he did not like Rich McKay, who was the CEO, and he did not want to answer to Rich McKay. And Belichick uh, 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 controlled everything in New England. The problem right. with all of that, and the reason I think he was not hired is Bill Belichick, the general manager, got Bill Belichick, the head coach, fired. So I think Arthur Blank, he listens to his people. That is one good thing he does. I think they said, look, he wants too much power. Look, look at all that power and what, what happened to that team after Brady left. His drafts were exposed. He has not had a good draft. So, so he, that's why I think he was snubbed. You have your own thoughts into why he may have been snubbed? You know, I think that he's established himself as a pretty strong personality, uh, kind of take it or leave it, you know, as my way or the highway kind of a coach. He wants to, he wants to control. He's got he's got the in his mind the track record of excellence uh, over twenty years. You know, remove Tom Brady. This is what he thinks, right? We all know right. Tom Brady is the reason why he got you know what he got. But you know, Bill Belichick has some you know he had some you know he had some say in it too. I, I, it's not all Tom Brady. You know, he's a he's a defensive minded coach. Um, you know, uh, has a system. You know, has uh, some offensive coordinators that worked well with. Tom Brady and, you know, a lot of those offensive coordinators tried to get head coaching jobs and they didn't necessarily pan out as head coaches, uh, you know, elsewhere, Uh, you know, so it definitely, I guess you could say it's more Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick wants to have the power. He, he feels his ego's big and he, and he, he feels like he deserves it because he's shown that he's, you know, built an organization, you know, from the ground up because, you know, New England wasn't very good when he first came on board and then turned him around. You know, he made some, big uh, roster moves that kind of shook people up. Like, what are you doing? How did you, why are you getting rid of this guy? Right. But this is the, this is him. So he wants, he wants the, the power. And uh, he, this is probably why he's not going to, he got snubbed because, you know, I, I don't think, you know, like you said, some of these meddling owners want to have some power and they don't want to relinquish it. And, you know, this yeah. I don't think he's going to get another head coaching gig. I mean, I, I'm not going to rule it out, but but I think at his age, at 71 or 72, his track record as a GM, and if he still wants that, I think teams are going to shy away. All right, the Carolina Panthers, they hired the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. I don't like this hire. Dave Canales has 13 seasons with the Seahawks from 2010 to 2022. He started out as a quality control coach. Then, then his pedigree came up through the quarterback's ranks, quarterback's coach, then receiver's coach, then a passing game coordinator, and then he became the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. I wasn't impressed with the Bucs. Look, Baker Mayfield did a great job, but they were in the weak conference. You know, it's not like they were lighting everything up and they were competing against the Niners or or the Cowboys or the Eagles. No, they were in the worst division of football. So I think Dave Canales got this job because he has ties with Dan Morgan, who is the general manager, the president of football operations for the Panthers. He's a new hire, too. They worked for eight seasons in Seattle. But I also think he was one of the few candidates who wanted the job. You know, now there is never a job that somebody does not want in the NFL because those are very prestigious jobs, no matter how bad the owner. But I think right. any head coach that that has that, that that can become a Bill Belichick, a Bill Parcells, a Tom Landry, you know, a a head coach like that who has that potential, none of them wanted this job because David Tepper is arguably the next Dan Snyder. Uh, He's a quarterback. I don't want to say he's a quarterback guru. I, I don't know if he is or not, but he did work wonders with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield, but those were already established veterans who knew the NFL, who knew they were on their last shot, who had something. Can he turn Bryce Young around? Um, remains to be seen. I don't know. Bryce Young is a talented guy. He's number one pick. You know, I don't know much about Dave Canales, honestly, so I really can't tell you whether or not he can you know, uh, unlo- uh, unleash or unlock the potential of Bryce Young. Um, you know, he's he's a talented guy, and, and uh, he's he's going to – someone will find a way to make that guy work. And if he doesn't, then he's not going to be, be in the league that long because of his stature. He's a small guy, right? Smaller guys, right. you know, to, don't do very well as a quarterback in the NFL unless they are really, really good at reading defenses like a Drew Brees, right? Drew Brees is that type of guy, you know, um, so we we'll see, um, but he you know he deserves a fair shot, and if this guy can unlock unlock him and unleash his potential, by all means. But I just don't know enough about Dave Canales to comment yeah. on whether he can I, I, I'm wondering if Bryce Young is actually an NFL 
uh, star to be. He's small, undersized. The game looks faster than what he can uh, adapt to it right now. But I'll give him a half a season left. And I, I love the Bill Watch theory. Give him 20 some odd games and uh, we'll see what he does. Real quick, uh, going back to the Atlanta Falcons, one good thing about Raheem Morris, they have about 35 million in cap space. Not a lot, but it could uh, go up to about 45 million if they uh, cut Taylor Heineke and uh, Mike Hughes. As far as the Panthers, the Panthers have about 24 million in cap space uh, uh, for free agency. They have some cap hits, so they're not looking pretty too. So both these head coaches don't have a lot, a lot of money, but they're not in the negative. Let's go to the main one here for a couple minutes before we move on to the games. Uh, the Chargers, they got their guy. I thought, mm-hmm. I, I think the Chargers had no choice. With that team and that roster, I mean, that roster, they had to make the big proven hire. And when I yep. say proven hire, Steve Spurrier, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, the Alabama coach uh, uh, who just retired. Uh, no, Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Nick Saban uh, uh, two colossal NFL pro failures. They stunk. They're useless. Uh, uh, they were about as good as the crap we step on walking in the yard, picking up our dog poo, our dog's poo. I say that purposely because college is about boys. The NFL is about men. Urban Meyer's another failure. But Jim Harbaugh, listen to this. First of all, I spent nine seasons at Michigan. Obviously, he culminated in a national championship. He went 89 and 25, eight bowl games, six seasons with 10 plus wins. Uh, 2021 AP College Football Coach of the Year, three Big Ten titles. Again, the big thing is the national championship. Four years as the Niners head coach, 2011 and 2014, 44, 19 and one. Three, we forget about this. Three straight championship games, a Super Bowl appearance, and he lost to his brother in 2012. Uh, Kaepernick with the bonehead play uh, uh, towards the end. Remember, the lights went out too. The game was delayed for a while. Before all this, he was a head coach for the USD Toreros and the Stanford Cardinals. And he was a winner with the Toreros. In fact, Josh something, I forget his name, uh, became a long-term... Josh Johnson. uh, Josh Josh you know, I, I can't. Maybe that is it. But he became a long-term backup. Had a great career. He was his, his quarterback there. Okay, yeah, Josh Johnson. Johnson. Okay, got it. Okay, so uh, uh, he's a winner. You know. However, the downside, Eddie. They are twenty-eight million over the salary cap, and they're projected to be uh, anywhere from forty-six to fifty-five million over when you factor in. Uh, their projected cap hit, and then needing money to sign the rookie class. You know, uh, Khalil Mack, Keenan Allen, Joey Boza, and Mike Williams, uh, that's going to be, they make up about 59% of the projected cap hit. Khalil Mack's too old, 17 sacks, but you got to look at it in context. Look at some of the games. He got those multiple sacks against crappy teams. You know, uh, I just say, look at Von Miller and Buffalo. I think he had no sacks this year. All he was was a salary cap waste for the Bills, you know. Joey Bosa, I think he's got like 14 games in two seasons. You know, Mike Williams, ACL tear. Keenan Allen, he's going to be 32 years old. If that's me, I'm looking to get a clean slate. Whack them all. Trade them if you can. Get the draft picks. Build the team you want. Uh, 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 I don't know what they're going to do, though. What are your thoughts? I mean, they do have a lot of talent in that team. So if anybody can can do this, it would be him because uh, Jim Harbaugh has been able to be a culture changer. He's definitely in, you know instills a certain way about the team, and and people follow him. And you know, I think he just wears out. You know, uh, he wears he wears people out in, in time. But you know, he's able to instill you know a, a system that works, and people you know you know. Who has it better than us? Nobody. He does that with everybody, and everybody, you know, just jumps on board to 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 play for the guy. But they definitely have talent, you know, on that team. So, uh, you know, yeah, are they older? Yeah, but you know, they they they, they can play. Um, so, you know, they, we we forgot about their their running back. Um, their running back is also good. Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is a pretty yeah. good. Well, he's uh, old. He's pretty, old though. He's he's, he's old. But he's, not, he, he's not ridiculously old, but he's like, you know, he 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 he. He does have a lot of, you know, he always gets injured, but he's a very, very good uh, running back when he's when he's not, you know, injured. He's a very so. good fantasy running back, but at the end of yeah. the day, here's the difference: the 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 
The 49ers were able to run in between the tackles. The Detroit Lions gave up on it. The Ravens didn't even have a rushing game. And the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, he only had a two-point-some-odd yards per carry this weekend, but they kept giving him the rock, and he was getting those tough yards in between the tackles. Austin Eckler can't do that. And when you get the elite football time, i.e. the playoffs, you have to have that. So I I have never been impressed with the running back who who looks nice in the West Coast-style offense but can't run between the tackles. Bill Walsh would have a cow with those type of guys. Uh, People forget. Roger Craig, then Ricky Waters, and then Derek LaVille could not run in between the tackles. But he looked good with those little screen passes and all that. But when they needed him to get the tough yards, he couldn't. And that's my problem with Austin Eckler. Again, I have a fine line given to me by the military. There's great players, and then there's greatness. We're going to talk about that with a couple of examples. But let's move on, though. Uh, 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 uh. My final comment on the Chargers is I think Jim Harbaugh can finally make them a Super Bowl winner. And I fully expect that if if Justin Herbert can stay healthy. Just because – and you're right. I relate to Jim Harbaugh because I am that guy. I have a five-year window at my gigs before we both wear each other out. That's what happens when you're demanding. It's what happens when you don't accept mediocrity. It's what happens when you call people out. And I'm the type of guy uh, who go, no, stop, you're lying. This is what we agreed upon, and you're using this as an issue. And that wears on people. People don't like it. But to me, I look at it like, you're lying to me. I'm going to call you out. But people said to say, well, you shouldn't be so harsh. I'm like, harsh? He's the one who, you know. So it goes back and forth, but I've accepted the fact uh, human nature that wears on people. So good luck to Jim Harbaugh. I think he'll be a success. Let's get to NFL Championship Week. The Chiefs defense contains the Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson for an easy win. The score may have been 17 to 10, and they were only one big play away, but the Chiefs controlled that game. Uh, 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 uh. And uh, I think the knock on Lamar Jackson, and we talked about this all, all season long, is you know, his big test is in the playoffs. Can he get past the hump? And remember last week, I told you, some people were saying, well, he got past the hump. He got past the first round. I'm like, no, he's got to get to the Super Bowl. Sure enough, all yeah. the negative talk is on Lamar Jackson. Let me give you some some, some key points here, and I want to get your take. Obviously, uh, oh, and to the audience out there, Eddie and I have been talking about the defense, how the how 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 the Chiefs are a different team, how the Bills were a different team versus their all-star gunslinging quarterbacks, how the defense and the rushing attack. I read an article, I want to say it was on NFL.com, and you know, nobody talked about the defense of the Chiefs, you know, for the last couple of weeks. So it was a surprise. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, fool? That's what we talked about. So yeah, the defense was the key to the win. Yeah. They blitz, they blitzed Lamar Jackson 20 times, a pressure rate of 37. Now, what the author did not talk about is it wasn't about sacking him. It was about clogging up his rushing lanes. So he couldn't find the rushing lanes. And that's what I think won the game. He was a deer in the headlights. Now, bear bear out, bear this out with me, Eddie. I tell people, look, in the pros, the one thing I learned when I sold my business and I worked with Wall Street people is they're no different than we are. They just got a different degree, but they're no smarter, no dumber than we are. They're just in a different world because they have the network connections. Or and uh, and the reason I say that is because Lamar Jackson is in year one of this offense, so it's not second nature to him yet. So when you got a defense blitzing you fifty percent of the times, and your lanes to run to escape are closed, and this is your first year in the offense. A lot of your reaction is not as natural as it will eventually be. And nobody has talked about that. Everybody's talked about he failed this, he failed that, couldn't get past. I kept saying, look, they're they're a year away. And I think this game, the Chiefs did just that. They took advantage of the fact a quarterback in his first year of this new offense and put in the pressure situation he was put in, his 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 his, his mental acuity to rapidly think. Once his running lanes were gone, that tested him and, and and slowed him down enough for the Chiefs' defense to be able to take advantage. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, Guillermo, we we did talk about this last week, and for those the audience, you can go back to points on the board uh, last week where we talked about this. It's actually points on the board number sixty nine, where we talked about this towards the end of the Ooh. podcast, where <laughs> we. You know, you were asking for my opinion on what I thought was going to happen. And my gut, man, you know, I told you I'm a Chiefs fan, you know, second after the, the Niners. Chiefs are my second favorite team. 
my gut was telling me the Chiefs were going to actually give this team fits from a defensive standpoint. And I talked about that. And you yeah. said, you know, if the Chiefs D can't contain Lamar Jackson, the Chiefs will win. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I, right. you know, you asked for my call on what I thought who was going to win. I kind of, you know, the, the, the Ravens had an unbelievable defense and I couldn't, I should not have gone against Patrick Mahomes and being able to, you know, figure out that puzzle, which he did, right. He was able to move the ball, you know, uh, Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes were able to move the ball against that Ravens deep and the chiefs deep did contain Lamar Jackson. I just yeah. wish I would have said, you know, the chiefs are going to win when I said, you know, the Ravens only because I thought they handled the Niners pretty well. And I thought the Niners were at the time the best team in the NFL and then the Ravens were at that point. But, you know, I think the 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 Chiefs D is it's it's championship material. I mean that 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 D is good. And uh, it showed up big time against you know arguably probably the hardest guy to defend in the NFL in Lamar Jackson. Right. So so I think the only thing people are blaming Lamar Jackson and 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 they should. You know, the quarterback gets too much credit when they win. They, they they beat up on the quarterback too much when they lose. Uh, but I think they went in with a game plan. We're gonna have we're gonna put this game on Lamar's back. And they shouldn't have. The reason I say that is because of the uh, 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 rushing attack. Uh, uh, and I have it here right now. So the Ravens have pounded the ball all season, Eddie, and that's how they run up the score because that that rushing attack just wears that defense down and eventually a, a game that's uh 24 to 17 becomes you know 35 to 17 you know just because of the rushing right. attack the pounding you know so they averaged 31 and a half rush attempts in the season their last three games they averaged 27.7 uh, uh uh and now granted they had some of their backups playing the final game of the the, the, the season and uh uh, uh what you get into the playoffs, it's stiffer competition, you know. Uh, but in this week, they only had 16 attempts, so that was about a right. 10 rush attempt a drop. Now, some of yeah. it's because they were behind at the end; they had to throw. Right. But it, but it seems like they wanted Lamar Jackson to win this game, and I think they did the opposite by doing that by putting it in Lamar's hands to win. They cost themselves a game because they didn't let the rushing attack run loose uh, uh uh what are your thoughts on that no i mean uh, i think you're you're right i mean they just they 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 made lamar jackson work um the chiefs did um they weren't able to establish that running game you know because lamar jackson is about 80 percent of the running game they took away his running lanes and they forced him to become this you know new pocket passer right this new and improved pocket yeah. passer and it shows that uh, he still needs some you know, there's room for, for improvement there. He still is learning uh, to, to work in this new concept of being a pocket passer when he historically hasn't really been that. Uh, and this was this first year where he really established that. And the Chiefs wanted, you know, they, they, they said, okay, prove it to us that you're a pocket passer. We're going to take away your running lanes. And that's, I think, what you saw is that he's still not there yet. Right. And speaking of the running lanes with the rushing, so the Ravens during the season averaged about 156 yards per game, the regular season. Their last three games, 139. Now, again, their last two games were playoff teams. You know, it's a lot stiffer yeah. competition, you know, and yeah. their final game was with backup. So, so that's a drop of about 20 yards. That said, they only had 81 yards. And people are saying that they're blaming the, the offensive coordinator. Like, yeah, you can give some of the blame, but I'm kind of getting sick and tired of going on social media. Nobody wants to give the Chiefs defense credit for the fact they only right. had 81 yards per game. They shut that rushing attack down. And they also owned the time of possession 37 minutes, 30 seconds to 22 minutes, 30 seconds. The Chiefs sacked Lamar Jackson four times. Their third down efficiency. Was only a was a pathetic twenty seven percent. They turned the ball over three times. One of his passes was thrown into triple coverage. That was my dude. Looks like a deer with the headlights on him, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. And tried in uh, Travis Kelsey showed up. They couldn't stop Travis Kelsey, and that was a, oh, he was a monster. One. Yeah, yep. he went eleven for one hundred sixteen yards, a touchdown on eleven targets. So uh, 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 Lamar Jackson is now two and four in the playoffs. No Super Bowl. Stephen A. Smith, he choked, which is, I think, kind of rough. But in technicality, it's true. But the way he said it is if it's all on him, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. The, the Ravens are built to win now. Here's what people don't realize. People, this is when I get angry. I'm like, this is why I'm freaking good. 
the the Browns, I'm saying the Browns, the Ravens, I'm like, Chiefs, Browns, the Ravens are built to win now because Lamar Jackson, up until this year, was on a was on a contract that did not hurt their salary cap. He's got a big time contract now, and his new contract carries cap numbers anywhere from thirty two to seventy five million over the next four seasons. So now they don't have the luxury of this great super defense. They're going to start losing players. They're not going to have right. depth. So they may have missed their window. Now that doesn't mean they can't win the Super Bowl. But I'm saying is this may have been their best shot to win it. All things equal, and so that's something that I'm concerned about. And uh, we're we're gonna see how he develops. We're gonna sit there and see uh, 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 if he can overcome and become a drop back passer. Now, Eddie, you haven't heard my podcast, but I talked about this with Robert Griffin the third when he was going after Jay Gruden and it backfired on him. Uh, he got Shanahan fired because he says I'm a drop back quarterback. I'm like, no, Shanahan say no, you're 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 a read option quarterback. Uh, you're uncomfortable in the pocket and drop back, and that's what we saw at a Lamar. And the reason I bring that up is RG3 was like, like. No, I'm going to be uh, my year one rookie year. I was, uh, I was a read option uh, uh, quarterback, but now I'm a drop back. It doesn't work that way. It takes right. time. And we're seeing that with Lamar. Uh, final okay. comments on, on, on the Ravens and the Chiefs in regards to the game. Uh, I'm glad that my Chiefs won. Um, and uh, they, there we they, go. they showed up with that D that, you know, we've been talking about for a few weeks. And, uh, you know, this, this upcoming Super Bowl is going to be, I think, a low scoring affair between both teams. Because they're both defensive, although the Niners' is questionable right now. And 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 we'll, we'll we'll break the game down next week. Next week, I just want to talk about it because we have yeah, a no, I mean, gap here. Yeah. So no, me. just for the audience, for the audience, we're we're gonna break that yeah. down next week. But let's go to the big game because uh, the Chiefs game was exciting, but it was kind of like pretty steady. It wasn't like ups and downs, ups and downs. Right. The Niners Lions game, boy, that was like uh, uh, that had you on the edge of your seats. And I don't know why, but it seemed like the crowd was louder there than it was for the Ravens game. But uh, uh, exciting game. Uh, I was. Uh, I think Brock Purdy showed up. I told you last week this has become a big race issue with a lot of African-Americans uh, hating on Brock Purdy for whatever reason. But it was a flip of the switch. Brock Purdy put the team on his back. Absolutely. You know, a, a, a game manager does not scramble and run for the first time. A game manager does not fight and rip himself loose from a, from a potential sack and get a first down. A game manager does not start running with the ball then throw it. Uh, I, 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 what you think is going to be an interception and a receiver makes a, a great leap to catch it. Brock Purdy put that team on his back and he came away proving his counters wrong. And the reason I say that is Ryan Clark, Shannon Sharp, a bunch of these people who were who were arguing against him and all over Lamar, and they were directly comparing the two, uh, hating on Purdy and saying how Lamar doesn't get any love. They flipped the script. They're all now showing love to Brock Purdy. And I think this love should have been shown to Brock Purdy the whole time because – uh, many systems, whether Green Bay, whether San Francisco, whether New England, as we saw with Brady, uh, 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 you get these the quarterback that follows them just because they're in the system doesn't mean they're going to succeed. You, your 49ers fan, remember Jim Druckenmiller? You know, he's yeah. going to inherit the team. He was a boss. So my point is, is they put a lot of hate, just to hate. On Brock Purdy and calling him assistant quarterback, it was the easy way to hate on him. The easy way to legitimize that uh, he's just an average guy. At the end of the day, Joe Montana was an average guy who won four Super Bowl or three Super Bowls. You know, right. so right. What did you think of Brock Purdy before we get into the numbers this game? Brock Purdy, I think we are seeing potentially the second coming of. A Joe Montana-like type player, um, and I would say even maybe even a Tom Brady. Is she just has that it factor? And I know it's pretty controversial what I'm saying right now, but how many kids in their second year? And it's not really their second year; it's really a year and a half that he's been playing as a starting quarterback for the 49ers, a very storied franchise in terms of quarterback. Right. There's a lot of pressure for being a starting quarterback on the 49ers, and this kid came in here and showed the moxie that he belongs. And the guy has 
essentially showed up and proven all of these naysayers wrong. He's not a system quarterback. It's easy to say that because of the the squad, the the roster that the Niners have. I mean, they are talented. They're probably from the, the the top down, probably the most talented roster in the NFL by far. I think they have I think seven all pros on that team. So they are just stacked. So it's easy to go ahead and say that he's a system quarterback because of all the talent the Niners have. But the one thing that they were knocking on him is that they haven't seen Brock Purdy come back from behind and and, and, and carry a team. Well, he just did it in probably the biggest game of his career when the Niners desperately needed, you know, somebody like him to take him and bring him forward because they were down 17 points and it was looking pretty bleak. And they found a way to do it and turn it around at halftime. Who knows what was said at halftime, what happened, but this team turned around. They woke up and they showed up, and it's because, of, mostly in part because of Brock Purdy. Now, give the Lions credit, because even Kyle Shanahan said when they came out in the first, in the second half, he's like, we got to do it. And then he's like, and we get a field goal. He's like, oh, boy, this could be hard. you know. And yet then they exploded, and Brock Purdy was the key to that. I mean, he scrambled out of the sack, threw that dart to uh, fullback Kyle. How do you say his name? Yuschek. I mean, And that's pretty nimble for a, for, for a big, bulky fullback to, to make the catches he did. Uh, Purdy had went, went 5-48, uh, uh, 9.6 yards per carry. He made critical plays with his legs. Now, I wrote down in my notes, won the game with under five minutes left and scrambled it for a critical first down. I'm not going to say he won the game for them, but that, that was a first down that kind of was one of the nails in the coffin for the Lions. And Purdy, and... He did not slide. He goes, I want every damn yard and dough, you know. So uh, 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 he doesn't benefit from the Niners and the players around him. They benefit one another. They're like a yin and yang. Everybody wants to make it like, oh, he benefits from that team. No, they feed off each other. Uh, He makes the players around him better and the players around him and the schemes make him better. So uh, he showed he's that he can be a playmaker. He overcame himself. He had a poor first half, was embarrassed on national television uh, by the Ravens. So he had a lot of pressure to overcome himself Absolutely. and the perception that was building about him. He didn't let the interception flabbergast him, and he moved on to have a great second half. And I put in my notes, see Lamar Jackson, because he couldn't overcome his own mental errors. Uh, he threw passes on the run. That's not what a game manager does. And he, as you said, he was in the biggest uh, – I put down the second biggest game of his career because technically for the first couple of minutes he was in the biggest game of his career last year before he tore his arm up. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm just being – I'm being facetious. Uh, uh, I, I I don't know what that word means, but it sounds like it fits in there. I forget what it means, facetious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but my point is I'm not even a Brock Purdy fan. But I give Lamar Jackson credit. I love Patrick Mahomes, even though I don't like the Chiefs. You know, I love Russell Wilson. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Uh, it's like, just, I love the position. I love to see players make plays. But instead, we go tribal. You know, got to look right. at, at it from a, a stupid perspective. So I'm happy for Purdy. Not because he's an Anglo quarterback who proved his naysayers wrong. It's because He's living the American dream. We all grow up wanting to be Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, all these great players. So that's why I rooted for him. Look, now, now, now uh, before we close it out here uh, in the next few minutes, let's talk about the Lions and the controversy. First of all, the Lions struggle with fundamentals with some poor tackling. Uh, 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 that said, Chase Young, boy, he I mean, he looked like the Lions, the way he was standing around for the 49ers. But that's neither here nor there. The Lions struggle with fundamentals. They struggle with mental errors, that punt uh, where the guy stepped into the end zone when they had him at the one or two-yard line, the drop passes. They, they struggle with themselves. They put their pride ahead of common sense. And uh, let's get to the fourth down decisions. Look, I'm an analytics guy. My company was directly responsible for helping make analytics a key point now in today's game. Analytics are part of your tactics to where you implement your strategy. Analytics are part of the tactics used to implement the strategy. All these freaking couch potato morons, well, the 0.2% says this play works every time. No. There's also the mental, there's also the game in context. 
Dan Campbell could have kicked the field goal and made it a three-score game. Do you know? And these armchair quarterbacks who never play sports, who never, who their only sport they play is Madden, fourth and fifth, and they throw a pass. That is how their minds work. You know, in the context of an actual game, a team that is down three scores with only a quarter and a half, that is morally deflating. You know? For sure. uh, For sure. uh, so I don't agree with Dan Campbell's, uh, 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 well, this is how we played all season. Yeah, because you can get away with it when you're playing the Chicago Bears. You can get away with it when you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. You can get away with it when you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, you can get away with it when you're playing the New England Patriots. You can't get away with it when you're playing the Dallas Cowboys. As we saw, three second two-point conversions, you failed and you lost the game. You failed your, you, you know, you're going forward on two fourth downs and you lost the game. You can't do that and come back and win against better teams. And these analytic assholes don't want to acknowledge the reality of the game at hand in that moment. And I get angry because I'm an analytics guy and I'm like, you're a moron. You're looking at the analytics wrong. It's like right. that and that point right there, that little point right there does not give you the right to make a decision that covers everything. And that's what happened. So instead of going up by three, deflating the Niners and taking control of the game, they gave life back to the Niners. Some sure. moron said, well, if Reynolds had made the catch, I'm like, well, at the, right before that, he said, well, you can't trust a kicker. He may not have made the uh, uh, kick. I'm like, it's, it's, you're saying if Reynolds had made the catch, then you would have looked like a genius. But you didn't want to take a chance on making the kick because your analytics said that that he was going to miss the kick, despite the overall percentage being 75% of kickers make that kick. You see, so so they, they pick and choose which analytics they want to look at without looking at the obvious. Dan Campbell lost them that game. And if Dan Campbell does not want to learn from that, he says, that's who we are. Well, buddy, you got tougher competition in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. And if he doesn't mature, I predict he will be fired within two years. And when I say mature, you can't be a stupid oaf like he was and just keep going for it. And they say, that's who we are. Because you, you yourself, Dan Campbell, said, this may be our only shot. Then you play like it's your only shot and you play smartly. You know, right. I guess I'm just tired of these analytic fat armchair quarterbacks and they're only 22 and they look like fat Albert jr. You know, and I, they're just sickening to me. I'm just tired of it. Uh, uh, and, and I'm digressing here, but it just sickens me. Uh, Cause I embrace analytics. I'm an analytics guy, but analytics, the, the universe does not revolve analytics. They are just an arrow in your quiver that, that that's a bigger arrow than most, but they are just an arrow in your quiver. The guy shooting the arrow still has a responsibility to make the right call. And too many of these head coaches are using analytics as their excuse. If I'm the Detroit Lions owner, I, you know, uh, 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 Dan Campbell leaves that morning meeting with an asshole so big you could drive a truck through it after the chewing out I give him for making those bonehead decisions. That's my take, Eddie. What's yours before we close it out? He's a he's a he's a rookie uh, head coach, man. You know he, he's going to learn. <laughs> I mean, he has a lot of pride. He just probably didn't want to, you know, come across like he's second guessing himself. Although I I know deep down inside, he know he realizes it. He'll he'll come back and learn from it and be a better coach for it. Uh, he already was a a pretty good coach in getting this team to where it was at. They couldn't have done it without this guy. So you know I, he's going to learn. We got to give him some credit where he you know he got he got them there, and you know. He learns from his. Hopefully, he learns from his mistakes, and I think he will. Uh, You're absolutely played. right. Yeah, absolutely. But Eddie, he's got to learn from his mistakes. He would not take responsibility for those fourth down calls, and that's a red flag. You know that happened to me with Denny Green. I shut down a press conference at the combine because I asked that fool what he learned from his Minnesota not being able to get to the Super Bowl after being so close, and uh, what he learned from that experience, and that he was going to take over with the Arizona Cardinals. He he looked at me. Threw his arms up and turned around and walked off. And I'm like, everybody's looking at me. Who's this little asshole here who just shut this press conference? And I wrote an article. I said, Danny Green is going to get fired within the next two years from the Arizona Cardinals because he's learned nothing. He's going to make the same mistakes. 
and he's going to keep losing when it matters. And that's what happened. Remember his saying, we knew who they were. Or who they yeah. Were with that. Yeah. 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 Well, Danny, I knew who you were, you loser. You know, uh, rest in peace, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> God, your recipes, he passed away. You know, but anyway, that's our show for the night. Sorry to have gone off on the tangent there, but I'm just sick and tired of armchair quarterbacks who never play the game. I never played the game, Eddie. I was too small, but I always appreciated and loved the game. You know, yeah. and, 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 and my final comment is, I'm not putting the whole blame on Dan Campbell. You know, uh, Jameer Gibbs, costly fumble, and wide receiver Josh Reynolds dropped the ball two key right. times. So you lose as a team, you win as a team. And in this case, the game wasn't just lost on the field, but on the sidelines with monumental, stupid decisions. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that to learn from it, Dan. We've all done our stupid. How many times have we woken up from that drunken stupor the next day? Oh, my God. And you never repeat that stupidity because you learn from it. As right. a sailor, I learned. And my friends, that's our show for tonight. We're going to break the game down very heavily next week. We're going to talk more basketball. Uh, you know, uh, uh, eventually we're going to start talking some baseball because baseball season is coming along. But Eddie, it's always a pleasure to have you on as a guest to break down basketball for us. And to America and the rest of the world, uh, do not forget, you can go to grumblingsmedia.com for this podcast, our political podcast, and uh, our entertainment podcast. You can also find us on YouTube and Rumble under the profile Grumblings Media, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Google. Until next time, my friends, Eddie and I bid you adieu.